Amen. Hello, sisterhood. Good to have you here. If, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Pastor Lindsay. I have the immense privilege of pastoring our process of mobilizing 500 people to the mission field. It is the coolest job on the planet. Um, even better maybe than Pastor Rob's, but don't tell him that. Okay? So, but I get to come tonight to finish off the teaching part of sisterhood. This is this, this semester, this, this semester. Um, but I think this is the coolest. You guys have been so well prepared. You've been taught how to receive the word, how to hide the word in your heart, how to let it grow and develop and take root uh, and water it and abide in the sun. I mean, those are just cool topics. But you know what? A sower does all that to get to the harvest, right? So tonight we're going to talk about harvest. And some of you may think we're going to talk about the harvest in your life. Well, that's good, but you know what? The harvest in your life is not the end game. Your spiritual growth is not the end game in the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't die just for you to grow. He died for you to take your harvest and sow it into other people's lives. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You don't get a sideline in the Great Commission. You have a role in the Great Commission, and that's to see the harvest come in. So will you look at Matthew 9 with me? It's on the screen here. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 9, he traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, that area being Samaria. So there are area north of Jerusalem, um, uh, Samaria and Galilee, actually. And he was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is good news because it's got a great king who rules with peace and equity and justice and love. He's not a mean tyrant of a king. He's a king that wants us all to flourish and bear fruit and bring glory to his name no matter where we are, right? And so he was preaching that gospel about the kingdom. He identified... Um, as the king of that kingdom. And look at what he did. He healed every kind of disease and illness. But when he saw the crowds, look at this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Listen to this description. Because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Does that sound like our world today? Confused, helpless, harassed, lost, anxious, depressed, guilt-ridden, fearful, hopeless. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And he said to his disciples, are there any disciples of Jesus in the room tonight? So then he's talking to you, right? He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great. In other words, the work is great. The opportunity to see the harassed and the helpless and the confused come into the kingdom of God, that opportunity is manifold. It's massive. It's great. But the workers are few. So Jesus said, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send laborers, more workers, into his fields. And that's why I say 
Your spiritual growth isn't the end game. It's important. And as a church, we want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We want you to flourish. We want you to have an awesome life because that's what Jesus uh, came to give us, a life of flourishing and abundance. But it's not supposed to end with you. In fact, your life doesn't get exciting in Jesus until you start sharing your harvest with other people so they can experience a harvest in their life. Does that make sense? You are on you're part of the Great Commission. You have a role to play in the Great Commission. God wants you to take what you've learned in this whole study and start sharing it with the people around you. But even bigger than that, he wants you to have a heart for the world. You know, the interesting thing is God committed himself to partnering with this group of people. Those of you on the camera and all the other campuses, this group of women here in this room, He's committed to partnering with you to take the good news to your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that might be to your Target, to your Walmart, to your Costco, to your neighborhood soccer game, to your local school, to that neighbor down the street who looks different than you, acts different than you, cooks different than you, speaks a different language than you. Yeah, that person, not a threat, but part of your mission field. Okay? He wants you to take that. So tonight, I'm here to kind of just be that nudge to say, now do something with what you've learned. Could it be, actually the answer is yes, that we're all the answer to Jesus' prayer? Could it be that we are? You guys, this is, so many times in America, and we're guilty of this as Americans, we think the Bible is a devotional grab bag just for us. It's for us on our bad days to make us feel better. It's for us when things are bad to help us get through it, and that's all it's good for. You know what? The Bible is that, but it's not just that. It's much more than that. The Bible is God's love story for this world, his rescue plan for this world. The Bible is the story of God's heart for all as of next week, 8 billion people that are alive on the face of the earth. John 3.16, you all know this scripture, but listen to it with this lens on. For this is how God loved Minneapolis, St. Paul, Apple Valley, Egan, Crosstown, Shakopee, Faribault. Is that all he loved? No, he loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But how can they believe if they don't get a chance to hear? For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but to save the world through him. God is on a rescue mission through us for every one of the 8 billion people on the planet. But there's a problem. 42% of the world does not have access to hear about Jesus. And yet God's heart is to reach them. Read with me Psalm 67. I love this. May God be merciful and bless us. Yes. May his face smile with favor on us. Yes. But it doesn't stop there. May your ways be known 
throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy. Because you govern, oh, thank God for this. Because you govern the nations with justice. Hint, hint, it's not about what happens tonight. It's election night. It's not about what happens tonight. It's that God governs the nations with justice. But the nations need to hear that he governs with justice. He wants to guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvests, and God, our God, will richly bless us. See, when we get involved with God's harvest, then the blessings come on us. When we hold it for ourselves, we're not in alignment with God's heart for the world. If God has a heart for the world, let me put it this way, if God has a heart for the whole world, and Jesus came to save the world, we either have to go to the world, or send people to the world, or our heart is out of alignment with God's heart. So we don't get to not care about the ends of the earth if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Is that a pretty strong statement? Yep, but that's what the Bible teaches us. So I'm going to show you how tonight to have a heart for the world. Anyone know what the Great Commission is? The Great great Commission? Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, us, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, with that authority, I'm commissioning you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What was the command he just gave us? Go and make disciples. So what are we supposed to do? I'm supposed to teach you that you're supposed to go and make disciples and teach them everything that you've just been taught through all of sisterhood. Don't keep it for yourself. You will get to be stagnant water and you'll start to stink. But when you open up the vat of all that you've been shown, all that you've learned, all that you've been imparted to, and you start sharing it with the hungry, the lost, the hurting around you, now your life starts to take on a whole new dimension. I'll tell you a true story here in a minute. Revelation 7. Can you envision this with me? The Apostle John said, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude, (laughs) a great multitude that no one could count from just Minneapolis and St. Paul. From just the east side or the west side. Because that's all we care about, right? Nope. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
God wants the world to be there with him for all time. And he's bet that future on you and I. See, for years, I thought the Bible was just a story about how my life could get better. Until three years ago, I came over in the Global Project, and I really started to study the Bible from a whole different angle. And I saw it was the story of God's heart for every person who's ever lived and who ever lived on the planet, and that we are a key piece of that puzzle. Now, I'm not telling you all of you in here are going to be missionaries. That's not the point. But we all have a role to play in the Great Commission. And I will tell you, I have, if anybody that's known me for longer than three months knows I'm passionate about Jesus, and I kind of always live passionate about Jesus, but the last three years, it's on a whole different trajectory because I see that my purpose is not just for here and now, but it's for every nation, all time, and I can make a difference just by sitting in my house and praying for nations and praying for our 500 and sending and giving and welcoming people that look different than me and talk different than me and come from a different culture than me and rather than look at them as a threat, look at them as somebody that Jesus loved enough to send here so I could share the gospel of Jesus with them. Now we're having fun, ladies. Now we're doing something that's worthwhile and that's worth our time and worth our effort and worth our agony to pray. 42% of the world literally has no access to the gospel. I visited a nation earlier this year. I can't say it because this will go out on the internet. But I visited a nation of 5 million people in the Middle East. It's a Muslim nation. 5 million people. That's about the size of the state of Minnesota. 5 million people. And there are 10 known Christians in the whole nation. Can you imagine 10 Christians in the state of Minnesota? No church, no Bible readily accessible to them. 10 people that know Jesus. And yet God cares for all 4,999,990 of those people. If we talk about injustice, the greatest injustice that nobody has is someone that doesn't have a chance to hear about Jesus. Because then they have no hope for justice in their life. They have no hope for escape from oppression. But we can make a difference. Less than one-tenth of one percent of all the money given by Christians goes to reach the 42% that have no access. Can I say that again? Less than one-tenth of one percent of all the money given to Christian causes goes to the countries where there's no access. I think we need to shift our focus. Actually, here's a strange stat. Do you know that Americans spend more on costumes, Halloween costumes, for their pets than the church gives to reach unreached people every year. 
I'm not saying quit doing what we're doing, but can we shift it a little bit? I think that feels a little bit out of weight. I didn't know all that until I started studying this, and I'm sharing this with you tonight. We are going to mobilize 500 people, if not more, to go to the mission field to change this dynamic. But there's 7,000 people in our church, so what do the rest of us do? Just put our hands in our pocket and say, well, that's for them. I thought that's what it was. I thought my role was discipleship and leadership until I realized, no, 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 no. Great Commission is for all of us, and I need to play my part in the Great Commission. There's actually five roles that the Bible gives us in the Great Commission. One of them we've already talked about, prayer. Jesus told us in Matthew 9, we can pray that he would send people to the mission field. There's a mom here tonight whose daughter is in one of the most unreached, actually the most unreached people population in the world. And she's serving and she's loving it. And she's a beautiful young lady that could do so many amazing things here in America. And yet she said, yes, God, I'll go there. We can pray for her every day. We can pray for our 500. We can pray for the 184 that have already gone and the other 312 that need to go. They're here. They might be coming. They might not even be born yet. But we can pray for them that God would prepare them and equip them. We can pray for nations to hear. We can pray for nations to open up. We can pray for people's heart in Muslim worlds, in Buddhist worlds, in, in tribal areas, and unreached atheistic countries, that God would prepare their hearts so when our 500 gets there, we can go. Did you know that on our app, on the River Valley app, you can pray for a different nation with us every week? So if you look at the app, there's soap there, and then right underneath that is the nation of the week. This week we're praying for China. Hey, big nation, only 1.3 billion people. 92% of them don't have access to the Bible. I have a friend in China. She didn't even know who Jesus was. She goes, what is Jesus? She didn't say, who is Jesus? She said, what is Jesus? So for the last 20 months, I've been sharing with her about Jesus. It's the greatest joy I have. William Carey who was a pioneer missionary from England to India in 1793. 1793. This is not a new thing. We didn't invent missions. This has been around since the apostles, right? But in 1793, William Carey took his family, left England to go to India, but he said to the men in his church, I will take my family to the depths of the darkness in India. If you promise me you will never let go of the ropes of prayer on me and my family's life. See, you can sit in your house no matter where you live in the metro and you can make a difference in somebody's life by praying that God would strengthen them. In fact, there should be a QR code, I hope, a QR code where you can adopt a member of the 500. There it is. Look at that. That's a QR code. You can take your camera right now and adopt a member of the 500 and start praying for somebody that's on the field or somebody that's going to go to the field. And we'll even give you one thing to pray every day of the week. Is that not cool? Pick a number, any number. I pray for 224 and 351. Someday I'm going to meet those people. I don't know who they are right now, but I'm going to meet them. I'm going to say, I've been praying for you for years. Thank you for saying yes to the call of God. You can make a difference, ladies. Every one of you can pray. And you know what? It's actually more fun to pray for something bigger 
than your stuff. God cares about your stuff. Hear me. He cares about your stuff. But he also cares about their stuff. You know, one fact I didn't tell you. Somebody says, yeah, but America's really hurting. Yeah, America is hurting. You think there's enough Starbucks in the country to handle everybody's coffee need? Do you think there's enough McDonald's in the country to handle everybody's hamburger and french fry needs, right? You combine the Starbucks and the McDonald's locations in America, that's a lot of locations, agreed? There's 10 times more churches in America than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. People here have access to the gospel. It's they may not want it, but people in India in China, in Indonesia, in the Middle East, don't have access to a Bible or a Christian or a church. Prayer can change that. The second thing we can do, we can send people. We're talking about miracle offering this weekend. You know what? Sending just means you're going to invest financially in somebody in one of our 500 that's gone overseas. That's available on our giving page. You scroll down to the bottom, and you can find the line for missionaries. You can put type in any missionary name in there, and you can start supporting a missionary. Because you know what? It costs money to keep them on the field, and they need that. And what that says is that you're going to live simply, more simply, to give more generously. You're going to get out of debt and you're going to quit pursuing everything you see, you want, and you take, and you're going to start giving it to a cause that's bigger than you and bigger than me and bigger than all of us combined, but we have the power of God to do it. We can send by giving generously to other people to go. Then the other thing we can do, third one, is we can welcome people from other um, countries right here that live in Minnesota. You know, the, the media will portray that immigrants here are a threat, a threat to our security, a threat to our safety, and a threat to all of that. Don't believe the media. I believe God has sent them here from countries that don't have access so we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, and then maybe God will commission them to go back there. But God cares about them. I have friends that have sold their house in Faribault and moved into the Somali community in Faribault to reach the Somalian community in Faribault because they're passionate about them coming to know Jesus Christ. Will you change the way you look at an immigrant around you? There's 6,000, I'm gonna ask you to put up that hospitality center link so you guys can see this. There's 6,000 international students at the University of Minnesota. They study anywhere, they study at the U anywhere from two to four years. Well over 80% of them, almost 90% of them never get invited into an American home, let alone a Christian home. Thanksgiving's coming. They're looking for host homes to have an international student come and spend time rather than sitting in an ugly cold dorm room at the, United, at, at the University of Minnesota. You can click on this link. I hope that's up there. Oh, Hospitality Center. Just Google hospitality. It was there? Cool. You can, you can click on that link, or you can go to that link, and you can sign up to host an international student at Thanksgiving and just show them the love of Jesus. You don't have to preach at them. You can just welcome them. Instead of looking askance at the Somali woman with a hijab at Costco or at Walmart or at Target, walk up and introduce yourself and say, Hi, my name is 
Lindsay, how are you doing? Build bridges, not walls. Because Jesus died for the whole world. The fourth thing, you can become a mobilizer, like me. You can get passionate about this and start sharing with people that 42% of the world has never heard. You can, you know what, I love, I love sisterhood. Go to sisterhood. I'm not going to anti-sisterhood. But would you stop and pray and say, Lord, do you want me to go to explore winter quarter and learn more about this? I'm giving you the tip of the iceberg. Explore helps you understand God's heart and even more detail and understanding. Can you, if you haven't been on a virtual, have you been on a virtual global team? If you haven't been on a virtual global team, go on a virtual global team. It's 50 bucks. You spend more on that at Starbucks Coffee in a month. Go and see what God is doing through our missionaries around the world. And then invite somebody to go with you. That's becoming a mobilizer. And then once you do that, go on a, go on a trip to the Middle East. Oh, my gosh. I could really go to the Middle East. It's the best thing in the world. The food is awesome, and the people are great, and they love to talk about Jesus. Yes, Muslims love to talk about Jesus. They're people of faith. Go, be a mobilizer, take somebody with you. And then finally, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask you all, when I finish, to just stop for a moment and say, Lord, do you want me to be part of the 500? Do you want me? to be one of the workers that you send around the world. And if that scares the living daylights out of you, that's okay. Tell him that. But you know what it might reveal? It might reveal an idol that you have in your life that God wants to set you free from whether you go on the field or not. Again, not everybody's called to be a missionary, but we all have a role to play in the harvest fields that are waiting for the good news of Jesus. Will you do your part? Heavenly Father, we thank you first for our salvation. But God, we know you never intended for it to stop in our heart. You intended for us to break the bread of life from here to the ends of the earth. So even though this message may be challenging, I pray that everyone would respond with an unqualified yes for your heart for this world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.